Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. episode of Fluff and Crunch. Now, this is actually not the first episode that Chris and I recorded, but we are going to put this one out there as our first because we we thought after recording several episodes on different games and topics and things like that, we thought it would be useful and interesting to listeners to hear us talk about our gaming background and our gaming interests so that you get to know us a little bit as people and as gamers. And so as you listen, you have a sense of why we think the things we think and where we're coming from. So this is a conversation between Chris and I about those kinds of things. Thanks for listening. Um, but yeah, today we're going to talk about our gaming background. And I'm really excited about this because I, I love the fact that you sent this list of ideas that, as I said a moment ago, it is, it is the set of ideas that I had. As I was running, I was working through and what, kinds of things, what kinds of things can we talk about to let people know kind of where we're coming from and what our gaming experiences are. And like I said, I, I, could, have, I could have written this list. So let's, I say we jump right into it. I want to know about your first experience. That sounds really dodgy. <laughs> Actually, that sounds really like nudge, nudge, like, hey, what was your first experience? <laughs> Role-playing role game. Hey, whoa, that sounds even worse. <laughs> That's a game. It was just role-playing. Okay. Uh, unsurprisingly, my, my first role-playing experience was D&D. Um, I think I was... I was, what, nine or ten, and there was like a club thing. There's actually during the school day. Uh, some kids in the year above were doing this thing called Dungeons and Dragons. I had no idea what it was. I can't even remember if this was before or after the cartoon, but it was around that time period. Uh, and so I joined in and I kind of liked it. And then um, my dad was looking to do, he was a headmaster at the time. He was looking to do something similar at his school. So he bought, I think he bought the first two boxes. So that was like the the red D&D basic box at that point and then the blue expert box. Um, and so he bought them at school, but I basically got to have the run of them. Uh, and that was kind of how I how I started off. Well, yeah, some two guys at two guys at school introduced it to me, and then I kind of started doing more uh, more DMing for that. I can't really remember a lot. I mean, I can remember the name of my character was a thief called Trustin, and I can remember that. That's I know that's how I started. I have um, almost the exact same experience, albeit minus uh, minus a school dimension to it. My older brothers had in the late seventies they bought they had the first set of the the AD&D books and they had the first they had the little white box with the the you know Greyhawk and Blackmore and all those books in it and then they also had the original basic set with the the big red dragon and the the fighter in plate and the wizard with his pointy hat uh, and the dragon was, of course is sitting there on top of it an enormous heap of gold and uh, i remember after we moved to Arizona and they were in high school and I was about about eight or nine, actually, and watching them play and wanting to play. And then finally, my brother, my oldest brother, Chris, said, OK, he would run a game for my other brother and I. And I remember making I don't remember the dwarf's name, but I, you know, being a loyal younger brother, I followed my other brother's lead because he made a neutral evil thief. And so I made a neutral evil evil dwarven fighter. I had no idea what any of that meant. 
and we played for a little while and we and the three of us never played again but i inherited their as they moved on into you know more exciting high school things i inherited all their books and um yeah played all throughout elementary school i remember summer camp uh, i went to the same summer camp for several all throughout elementary school you know how it is when you're like 10 someone exists in your world and they're and then they disappear and then they come back you know you have no way of contacting them otherwise and so there was this group of us every summer just played the heck out of dnd now i'm sure that we we were not playing by the rules i'm certain we did not have dice i mean essentially what we were doing is just telling stories to each other but i associated it all with with dnd so that was pretty much all through elementary school i definitely had dice because those boxes were the ones where you had the uh, you had a crayon and you had to yep. fill in the the gaps in it so you could i don't think that didn't make any difference you could barely remember. but yeah that's i i had to deal with those for years and years and then i remember yeah. games where you need, if, if i ever needed lots of d6s i'd have to steal it out of like board games so like our copies of monopoly never had dice in them you know i had when i finally got my first set i i got that original basic set with the dragon and those two hapless adventurers on the front and i still have it actually but mine came with those awful chits do you <laughs> Did you ever see one I know of those? what you're talking about. Yeah, well, I've never used them. But yeah. yeah, and I remember carrying them around at summer camp in a paper cup with a plastic bag over the top. And frankly, not knowing what to do with them. Like, I don't know, I have this <laughs> box of little paper numbers. I'm supposed to do something <laughs> with them. But uh, but yeah, I remember picking up my one of my other my other brother uh, was given um, the original Gamma World box set, which I still have. And I played that a little bit. I don't know. I don't know when it came out originally, but partway through elementary school, later in probably, uh, Star Frontiers came out, and I just got D and D kind of got dumped by the wayside. And my one friend Jeff and I just played the heck out of Star Frontiers up through up through junior high, like up through uh, when I was about thirteen or so. So what? Um, so what other things was it like? Was it D and D only, or were there other things? Did you? At that point, when I when I first started off, I mean, I kind of these two guys had like started me into it, and then I think they then they moved on because they would have been the last year of what we call primary school. So then they moved to high school. So then I didn't you know really associate with them at all anymore. Um, and I had like sort of a, like a mate at the time who I would do stuff with. But bizarrely, his his parents they were quite religious for some reason. It was kind of that period where D and D in some places had this, Oh, you can't play that. So he wasn't allowed to play Dungeons and Dragons. So I just made up my own role-playing games, but I'm mean, making like Ghostbusters role-playing games where we're fighting ghosts and stuff. And so that was fine. And it's like, I never quite understood that. It's like, okay, in D and D there's no demons. There's nothing bad, but he's allowed to fight ghosts. Um, yeah. And I remember taking like, yeah, like things like that. I would, I would make up my own games because that was, yeah, I didn't have the money to buy anything else where I lived. There wasn't really like there was a there was like a toy shop which had those those basic core box. I think at some point I bought the I bought the next one, which I think was the the companion book, and that was the box, and that was as far as I got at that point. Um, and that was that was you know that was all I had. I didn't have access to anything else. And occasionally, Dragon Magazine would appear in my uh, like a local shop near where I lived, and I'd be able to read that and see all these other games that existed. But I, I you know this is because obviously this is pre-internet. You couldn't order things. I mean, I you know. I had no idea how mail order worked or anything. Um, so yeah, I kind of just played bits and pieces. Um, it wasn't till I was probably, probably more like in my late teens and I could go to like a nearby town and stuff and, and found other places where I could buy things. So again, like you, a lot of my other things were TSR things. So I remember having the, 
the TSR version of Top Secret SI um, and Marvel Superheroes. And at some point, I think there must have been around the time the second edition came out. So I remember buying second edition uh, and and playing uh, playing that a lot. So I think actually the most that it, all of this time was kind of, you know, you're talking a 10 year period where I didn't really role play a lot. It was something maybe we'd do it on an afternoon because that was something we could do that was different. I didn't. Uh, it wasn't till I think when I was 17, it's my last year of high school, I actually had like a group. I got a bunch of people. It was like friends from school, someone's brother. And we ran like a second edition campaign for, you know, I know like the better part of a, a year um, from my house. And that's about the, that was the first time I kind of had an actual group of people. Not before that, I'd had maybe one, maybe two. I'd, I'd done the odd session here and there, and that was about it. And then suddenly I had a, a group of people. Uh, and um, so, yeah, there was, there was games I was buying in the background but, and, and yeah. reading about stuff, but I just I didn't have the access to it at that one. How about you? It's interesting that, you know, I, I grew up in a medium-sized city, and there was one, back in the 80s, there was one game store. There, there were a few game stores, but there was one that was like at the pinnacle here in town. And it, it, they had everything. It had everything you could imagine, like every different game. So I, I had somewhat of the same experience where, you know, I played, I played D&D and Star Frontiers with my one friend, Jeff. And it was like a, our, our whole, it wasn't a group, it was a duo um, and that was up through junior high. And then I had some friends in high school, early high school, that introduced me to things like Traveler uh, and some other games that I played. Uh, and high school was kind of hit and miss, but I was the same way. I'd go to this store and I'd see something that looked interesting to me. Even if I had nobody to play it with, I would just buy it and read it like as I had money. I mean, and maybe this is a change in how people approach the games D&D being, you know, the, the elephant in the room in general. But it seems to me that like way back when the idea of just, you know, you get together and you play for a session and then it's weeks before you get together and play again. And if you use the same characters, it's anybody's anybody's guess. And it seems nowadays there's more this assumption that like we're going to write the great novel through our, our characters. We're going to play umpteen, you know, this long, long campaign. But I had the same kind of thing. It wasn't I had some friends in high school that we played with. Um, we played Star Wars, the original D6 from West End, played the heck out of that. Um, and actually college for me became, uh, that's when I actually went into a lull for a few years. And it wasn't until later in college. It actually is funny. I was sitting there. I was, I don't know. It was like weeknight. I was bored. I'm watching public access television. I think I was like a junior in college sitting in this apartment that a friend of mine and I had. And this, this show comes on and they're talking about like movie trivia. And it's obviously made by the people from this game store that was here in town. And so I'm watching it and they had a trivia question. If you could answer the trivia question, you got a $10 gift certificate. Woo wee. And it was, what was the name of the first Star Wars movie? That is a stupid question. It's episode four, <laughs> A New Hope. Give me a break, people. So I called, I got my $10 gift certificate and I hadn't played anything in several years. And so I went down to the store and I just started talking to them about like, what's new, what's interesting. And uh, the second edition of Vampire the Masquerade caught my eye and I, I bought that. And then I kind of fell into that <laughs> for, for quite a while. Now, to my dignity and credit, I, I never fell into like the, I didn't dress up like Robert Smith <laughs> while listening, <laughs> while playing rather this game. I didn't fall into that. Um, 
But I actually in college it was really it was it was that it was Vampire the Masquerade and it was Cyberpunk 2020. Right. Those were the first ones that I really had long running campaigns. Like we met every week and we had the same group and we built a story and uh, yeah, yeah, those were good. Uh, I'll I'll I'll, I'm going to do my vampire story now before I before I go back into the. the Wait, did you dress up like Robert? No, I remember like okay, good. It's funny, you know, because obviously we know we're continents apart, and yet clearly vampire players have the same kind of reputation. So. Um, I remember having, there were some people when I, when I got to university, I was like, you know, this is great. I'm finally going to be able to play with, I'm going to be able to play with like lots of other people. It won't just be like me and like, you know, one or two mates. And basically when I was, when I was kind of the age I was talking about, um, there was two friends that I pretty much played with when I was sort of, sort of 15, 16, 17. Um, those are now the two guys I play with now. So these guys, Scott and Brian, um, I think I met Scott when I was 11 and I was 10. He joined my last year before I went to high school. Uh, and then this guy, Brian, I was kind of new in school. But we weren't really friends until I think we were probably about 16. But we used to, it was like we would, with when we had time, we would play games together. So like I would, I'd run d and I remember Brian getting Dark Sun and we'd play that. Um, Scott got the Rifts book, um, which he ran that. Um, in both cases, I was an awful player and just power gaming like crazy and doing the worst stuff. And so, but those are the two guys that now, you know, it's like, I'll jump at those are the two guys I play with now, you know, so this is 25 years apart. They just still happen to live, even though I've moved halfway. That is so cool. It is. It's, 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 it's really it's a stunning. gift. It's neat. So when I went to university, I was like, great. And there was a role playing society. And that was the thing I was looking for. I was like, this is great. I go to university. I know they're going to have societies and clubs and they had a, a role playing society. And I was like, this is amazing. And I signed up and I went along and the, the president of the club, I feel like his name was Kurt, but it could not have been. Um, but it was like, you know, he's, he had long blonde hair. He like he seemed pretty cool. Um, I mean, at the time, that was cool, having like long hair. This was what, mid-90s? No, it was technically that's five years too late to have long, cool, be cool with long hair. I was behind the time. This is Britain. This is not, this is not America. We're way behind. <laughs> um, anyway, he, so he was really into World of Darkness. That was his big thing. It was like Mage and Vampire. And I played in a Mage game he ran for a while. But he also ran either him or one of his like group of people. Um, they played vampire, and they were really. In, I remember there was a girl that was w- was in it, and she was proper. And she was kind of exactly what you're saying. She had the dark makeup, she had the dark clothes. Um, you know, at the time we would have called her a goth. Uh, and I remember one one week where they'd had they'd gone away. It was like five, like five or six then. Uh, and they had gone away and had like a vampire weekend. And I remember coming back in the following week to like the, the role playing start and literally in tears because like someone had done something mean in game to her character. And it was genuine. It was the end of the world. That was the most serious thing that had ever happened in her life. And it wasn't, it happened to her character in a vampire game, but these guys, like they were so intense and hardcore that like the world of darkness was their life and their characters were, well, that was them. You know, they clearly, they, you know, that, and I was just like, I, I don't get this, you know, like role-playing is a fun thing I do with my mates for a laugh in my spare time. And to these guys, it, it was their life. And so it's funny when you're talking about like, you know, vampire players listening to the cure and, uh, and I was thinking like, yeah, I, I know the exact same people. Uh, it's, a, it's, re- it, you know, it's interesting because I think that, that role-playing games, you know, you can approach them as just, hey, it's a fun thing I do, or it's a form of escapism. And I think that, I don't know, like I'm digging too deeply, but I think maybe for some people it's a it's a form of therapy of sorts. Like there was actually a guy who was in my vampire game. This was, oh my gosh, this was 27 years ago. Anyway, um, 
that's not a cool thing to be able to say it was 27 years <laughs> ago and you remember and like that anyway uh but he was uh he was in a wheelchair and he was um he was disabled and he had some health problems like you know chronic health problems and things like that play i think pl i know playing the game gave him a sense of of escape um i to his credit i i think that he recognized the line between reality and fantasy but for him it, it gave him an opportunity to exercise a piece of his person that his his regular life didn't allow him to um and then there are the folks who they the line is blurry or non-existent <laughs> yeah. and those are the ones that yeah they I, actually you know what when we when we get to more recent i will uh <laughs> I've got a little what about that, but yeah, I had, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I, I played through that time and then I finished, uh, I finished college and, um, I worked, I spent a couple of years in, in, in the army and played a little bit then, but it actually wasn't until I came back home after getting out of the service, uh, and linking up with some people that actually most of them were people who I had known through other people. And then became closer with, and that's been the last 21, 22 years. There's been this group that I've, you know, shifted around among them as people have come and gone and moved out of town and moved back and whatnot. But I've had a reasonably stable group uh, for almost half my life now, which is also a weird thing to to consider um and that's where we've we've fallen much more in, or gotten much more into this idea of the 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 unexamined assumption that we're going to play long campaigns which can be some i've realized is something of a burden that was the university was the, was the last time before so more recently that i did a lot of playing i in my first year i kind of played other people's games in my second year i i chose to i chose to actually run some games so i remember running i ran a star wars game I think at one point I was running like eight players, which was just bonkers. And I don't know how I coped oh, with that. Nuts. But, um, but people just kept, it was one of those things where like people could see that my group were enjoying themselves. So other people would come along and go, well, can we join in as well? And I always just didn't have the heart to say no. Um, yeah. uh, well, but that got to an end point, but it, you know, it was, so I was running the bigger ends. But one, one of the guys from that, I became really good friends with. Um, it was a, it was an Italian guy who was, I don't know why he was in, I mean, like it's, the place I went to is called Reading. It's not, it's not a big place. No one outside of the country will have heard it. I think it's barely even a city. Um, but certainly that had, when I went there, it had lots of, it had, I, I think it had three different places I found eventually I could buy role-playing stuff. It had like a, like a big, like there was a bookshop which had loads of stuff. And after a while at the society, someone actually said to me, I know there's an actual role-playing shop, there's a gaming store. Um, I remember going there and you'd had upstairs, everyone would be playing magic because that was sort of just coming out at the time. And downstairs would just be these, like, you know, almost like where, how you store like vinyl, just like, you know, you're flicking through things just full of books. And I'd just go wow. in there and I'd, I'd buy all these, you know, I'd buy books and I'd say, I bought, you know, all the world of darkness stuff. And I bought loads more Star Wars books. Um, and I kind of ran that stuff during sort of my second year, uh, I think probably into my third year as well. And then in my third year, I ended up moving, the, the people I moved in with, um, were people I knew through the role-playing society. Those were like, you know, those are the guys I moved in with. One of them had a game that he'd created himself and he'd played with mates at home. Uh, and he still updates it to this day. And you know, this is, you know, 20 odd years ago. Um, so I did a lot of, you know, role-playing. I, I was doing like uh, probably twice a week all throughout university. And then after that, I moved to Sheffield where I pretty much still live now. And and that was it. I didn't, I didn't know anyone to play with. There wasn't a... Mm -hmm society on you but there wasn't a, it was years before i even knew we had a game in store here there was a i mean there was a book 
book or comic shop. I didn't know about that for years. Again, this is, you know, the internet existed, but it wasn't really good at that point. You couldn't, you know, we didn't have, we didn't have Facebook and forums and all these kind of things. They all came afterwards. Um, and I, you know, I was writing computer games. So I was really into, that's what I did. I, I did computer game stuff when I was by myself with my mates, you know, we drank. Um, you'd be surprised how much computer game programmers uh, drink, but apparently, apparently you drank a lot. And it was mostly when my friends, like I said, these, these guys that I knew from home, um, one of them moved up to relatively nearby and ended up living with me for a bit. And so we'd play occasionally. I had a girlfriend at the time. We, we'd play with her a bit, but she wasn't really into it. It was just, you know, we'd do it. Um, and then eventually, a couple of years after that, uh that my third friend he also moved up here and there was a point where we end up kind of all slightly more settled lives where you know two of us owned houses the other one would be drifting around wherever we would be uh and we'd start playing slightly more regularly and certainly for the last uh probably yeah probably about the last i think it was just before my daughter was born so you talk about 10 years is when we started more regularly having like we are going to meet on a weekly basis and we won't always do role-playing games because a lot of the time we'll do board games um, but a lot of the time it'll be like, no, let's, you know, this was usually me. I've got this new role-playing game that I want to play. Let's play it. Um, you mean, like, I've yeah, got cool. this thing I'll run for you. Please yeah. come over. So I'll run it. Yeah. That's um, me. Totally me. So yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of that period. But yeah, there was a, there was a good chunk sort of five or six years where I, I barely like after university where I just, I didn't really, I didn't really role play. I didn't really buy any books. Like I said, I mi- I literally missed, I kind of missed third edition. I think third edition was coming out when I was in. Uh, when I was in university and I just kind of missed the whole thing. The next time I really looked at role-playing games, fourth edition was about to come out. So I, I literally sort of missed that, that whole period. I was aware of it, but you know, not massively. Yeah. See, I, I played, and I'll put that in as we call them scare quotes. Uh, I played, it, it was this mishmash of, of basic and, and advanced Dungeons and Dragons first edition in the eighties and I, I pretty much skipped second edition entirely because I had moved to those other games. And it was actually when third edition came out that I, uh, I, I got back into it. And that's, that was around the time that I had moved back here and gotten back in connection. It's funny, actually, I had, from this vampire game that I had run, I met through people who, who had played in that game, some other folks who were involved in the SCA. Do you guys have that? I'm sure you do. Society for Creative Anachronisms, those people that get out and they dress up like knights and they beat on each other with rattan sticks. Oh, yeah, we have, I mean, we have them, but yeah, not to the same extent. You put up with them. No, I, you know, I, he, we, I had some friends who were in that who had been trying to get me into it, but I'm not interested in that, but, um, but they also were, were gamers and they had played first edition. And so I, as always, I, I, I'm always the early adopter or the one who will wander out into the minefield first. And so I got the books and everyone said, oh, this is really funky. And I remember it convincing them that that um, that uh, that high armor class was now OK. <laughs> Low armor. You don't need armor class two anymore. Armor class like fifth. That's good. You know, flipping the dice over. And that was this weird epiphany for people. But uh, but yeah, that 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 takes us pretty much to today. So you've had about the last decade and I've had about, you know, about the last 20 years of relatively consistent, you know, with breaks here and there. But um, the biggest problem I have, like, is because I said, like, I'm the one that does it. Is I haven't managed the kind of long campaigns. You do, like, not only do we not always play every week, um, but also we like to play other stuff as well. But I'm 
I'm literally, if the new thing comes out, that's all I can concentrate on. So if we, I mean, like the amount of times we've started a D&D campaign, or there's, there's a new book, we can make really cool new characters, or there's a new setting, let's start. And then sort of three or four sessions in, it'll be like, there's this other new thing. I want to play this instead. Yep. And the other two can't really do anything yeah. because like I'm the one running it. So, and I'm the one buying stuff. So it's not like they can, I think they're just happy, you know, like we're together and we're having fun. So, you know, what does it matter? We're having a laugh. Does it really matter that none of our characters? So we have, there is the odd thing. I think the longest we managed was, um, I, can't, I can't remember before, the game called 13th Age. So this was, oh, I'm trying to think, is this kind of, it, it was it was around the same time as 5th edition. It was trying to be not 5th edition, but it's, and it's trying to be not D&D, but it is D&D and little bits and pieces. Um, and it had a clever thing in that where it was, you only had 10 levels, but they had a thing that said, right, you just level a session. So we looked at that and kind of went, right, so actually this is perfect. We'll only have to play 10 sessions or maybe 11, I can't remember. Um, and so we did that. We, uh, that was, I think, the longest we've managed of the same system where we literally played through 10, 10 11 sessions of the same, uh, same role-playing system. Um, and mostly because it was designed to do that. And we we had a whole bunch of stuff. I layered on top of it a lot of stuff to do with the, the Pathfinder Ultimate Campaign book where they were running a, they started off with like a like a village and they were turning it into like a, a settlement. And then they were getting all these people to come and work there and having like, I remember doing ridiculous stuff where it almost became like a dating game where we decided that like whichever one of them was like, I know the, the king uh, for the for the town needed needed a partner and literally just printing off all of these like art from the internet because this is the thing you can do now i can go on the internet i can search yep fantasy fantasy art and just print a load of them up and like right these are the these are the six different things making up personalities for all these females and going right which one you like literally and literally just dated them to decide which one he was going to end up marrying so she could be the queen you think this is so weird why did we do that when fourth edition came out we as a group were feeling pretty much buried under the crunch of 3.5 when fourth edition came out we gave that a try and then quickly realized that we didn't like it just did not like how it felt and then pathfinder came out and i remember i i of course like like you like i'm the one who went out and dumped the money on it and we played it and all of us looked at each other like wow this this feels like dnd again it actually feels right and we played through the entire uh well almost the entire we didn't play the last book but we played through the kingmaker adventure path and that's that's the one that that all those those kingdom building rules in Ultimate Campaign yeah. came from. <laughs> this this yeah. is funny. We ran that. That's the longest campaign I've run. And we took a break after the first book, I think it was, because we had a player who who wasn't able to because of work schedule and he wasn't able to come anymore. So we played something else. And then we got but we were able to start that up again after I don't know like two or three months. But all told, game time. I think we ran that for over a year or I ran that for over a year and we played up through the end of the fifth book. And then we decided we just didn't like yeah. the story of the sixth book. And so we nuked it, didn't play it. We resolved the campaign another way, but it's funny that you talk about the dating game thing, because that was an issue of like, okay, well we have a King among you and you know, the expectation is because my two of the guys who are, have, have been my most consistent players over the years are brothers. For them, right. any kind of fantasy role-playing is, it must be a 
Western European high middle ages magic analog with Tolkien sprinkled over the top of it. It is about like the quintessential fantasy role playing setting. And so it's going to be feudal, at least. There's going to be a king and there's going to be a castle and there's milords and miladies. So we had to go through that too. And and we uh we actually cataloged, I have the whole, we wrote like 400 some odd pages worth of copy and dialogue <laughs> and all this gunk. Yeah, over the time online, we were playing together, but we were chronicling the thing online. And so we have pictures of all the NPCs and actually the queen, the queen, Kate Middleton. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's the queen. And my, my buddy found a picture. He's like, that's the queen. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, and so, so there's a picture of Kate Middleton from like 13 years, 13 yeah. years ago. And she's the queen. I've done that once where I used real people. We did a, uh, there was a Buffy the vampire role-playing game. Yep. A couple of years ago. Um, and I think I remember running it for, it was, uh, it was my friend Brian and his then wife and, Anyway, it was those two and then someone else in the car room who. But I remember like we we use we use real people. So we I found actors and actresses that matched the characters we got. And I, I actually, you know, I made my own trailer. Um so yeah, I, cool. I think I used uh oh, I'm pretty sure I used um Boulevard of Broken Dreams by Green Day. And I used that and I, I did a trailer to that song with like the characters, you know, because I used the actors and so I could do that. And I can always sort of movie maker on Windows. Um, yeah, that was that was really cool. We enjoyed doing that. Have you ever heard of the the site, the Obsidian Portal? Yes, I've never okay. used it. But I've, okay, yeah, that's I've where I ha- that's where I have the campaign chronicled. You know what? If you have, I'll send you the link to that Pathfinder uh, to, because I left it up there. Um, I've had people track me down through it over the years and say, what happened to this character? What happened to that character? I'm like, eh, that campaign's dead, but I'll tell you, <laughs> uh, I'll send a thing to you and you can look at, I've got, we got John Reese Davies in there. We got all kinds of people <laughs> because uh, for the most part, we used, um, we use real pictures for right. the, the PCs and the NPCs. Um, but yeah, Kate Middleton's at the queen. <laughs> um, there we go. Um, so, okay, tell me this. You, you have listed, and I agree completely, I love this, RPG likes and dislikes, favorites and hates. Uh, what's something that you either like in or like about RPGs of, of any sort? I think, what was on your mind when you wrote that down? I don't know, I've written that now. I think, why did I write that? <laughs> I think one of the things I have to say is that things have changed over the year. The one th- over the years... One thing that's still the same is that actually mostly the, the role-playing game I like is probably the one I've just got, which is terrible because sometimes I'll, you know, it won't be till you play it and then you realize this is awful. But a lot of the time, you know, it's the new way, it's the new, it's shiny, it's the thing I want to try. Um, there'll be ones that put me straight off. I, I think really what I, I like now, it's, it's got to be something which is has reasonable mechanical heft to it. If it's got no mechanics at all, um, then I just find it, dull in play also to read in it so I, I like i like cool rules and stuff but also it can't be too big so things like like shadow run which i really want to like and i like the fact actually like it's it's like you know it's gear porn it's got all this cyberware and it's got like all the magic and it's like it's so cool that's where you buy a site you buy a shadow so book because it's got tons and tons of pages of different weapons and that's yeah. really cool but then also there's there's too many different rules for lots of different things um, and I, so I want something. So I, I think what I, I'm always, I'm like forever, every six months I'll post on like, you know, RPG net forums kind of going, you know, is there a game that does? And the reality is there isn't a game that can do everything, everything I want. I want a game, which is both 
has interest in mechanics and lots of cool different stuff, but isn't complicated. Right. Um, it's and I, playable. You know, yeah. And I think that's difficult. And, you know, I want it to be, I want it to be uh, supported over more than one book. So a lot of, one of the things I say as a dislike is that there's a lot of things where the book will come out and it looks really cool. Um, and I think this is great, but then it's just that book. And then it kind of, the system gets dropped by the people who are doing it. And then there's no one else playing it. And I think that makes it really difficult for me. I, I, you know, I want to be able to go on a forum and see other people talking about it because that keeps me interested in the forum, interested in that game, because then I can bounce ideas off other people. And obviously this wasn't a problem, you know, ages ago, but nowadays that's, I like being able to bounce ideas of other people. So, um, yeah, I have a lot of weird likes, I guess. For a you know, I, I, but I, 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 you and I are similar in this, in this respect that I, I, I've played a lot of games where the system has been, has been so simple that it's almost, well, not almost, it's, it's simplified to a point that it's dull. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I found gumshoe to be like that. Um, I ran, I tried, well, I did run, we ran the Dracula dossier, which is just a monster. And, and I think would be better run by retirees at the old folks home who have nothing else to do and are thus 100% committed to reading all the stuff that you need to read in order to make sense of it. Um, but the system itself offers so little mechanically that, um, that it's actually kind of a, it's a dull, it's a dull system. You might as well just sit around and tell stories with people, which is fine, you know. Um, then you've got something like Shadowrun or from the the olden days, Rollmaster that you know uh -huh. you just you shatter your teeth on. So I like something. I like mechanics that provide variety and mechanics that help to model the the vibe. And I mean, you and I have said this a, a bunch of times um, about how great Two Die Twenty is and how yeah. like for me. Two Die Twenty does such a brilliant job of modeling the feel of a Star Trek episode when you have people around the table who understand enough of and and choose to be committed enough to promoting a Star Trekian environment. Now I mentioned earlier, I, this is what I wanted to come back to, that um, and this is a dislike. It's it's tough because you need this, especially with Star Trek, but it's also a dislike. Um, there are some games that you, you need the right kind of people to play yeah. because the story requires certain conceits. And Star Trek requires that. You can't have someone who wants to hack and slash no. play, Star, play Starfleet. On the other hand, my, and this is, this is a, a, I would call this maybe a, a this is my, um, uh, uh, my unrealized love. How's that? I've always <laughs> wanted to have... Uh, a, a stable or or some kind of Star Trek game that I could run or play in for a period of time that was stable. I've never been able to make that happen because I can never find the right people. Because you either find people who they don't accept the conceits that Star Trek requires that enables it to be fun, or, and this may be worse, the people who don't realize that Star Trek is not real. <laughs> and uh, like you've seen Galaxy Quest, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, the kid, <laughs> the kid who saves the day at the end. Like I remember a couple of years ago at a local game convention running a Star Trek game and these two uh -huh. guys who didn't know each other almost came to blows. Like they got into a real live argument over how, like what would be the, the proper approach uh -huh. to, to resolving the engine problems that the ship was having. And I actually, I'm sitting there at the table chewing on the inside of my cheek, trying to keep from laughing because... 
it's like, guys, none of this is real. It's hard because, you know, you want players who buy in. Yeah. But you also don't want players who forget that it's not real. Yeah, I think I'm quite lucky in that. Obviously, I have, I have my two mates that I play with. Um, and actually, they most of their characters are the same. Pretty much every time, their characters will be relatively murdery. Um, <laughs> you know, they, their body counts are high in most games we play. Uh, and yeah, they you know they they will tend to sort of max out certain stats. Um, and like Brian will tend to be, he'll have a character that's usually he'll, he'll be stealthy or will be a sniper or but whatever he's playing, he will have a character stat, a, a combat stat maxed out. So he can just wipe people out very easily. Um, and, and Scott will tend to just go along with whatever the other two of us are kind of saying and what he should make. But actually, when we played Star Trek, because we made a bunch of characters, it's kind of they, they had their own characters, but because we, there was only two of them, that wasn't feat. So because we had to create the sole supporting cast of you know the, the science crew and the medics and all these other characters, that meant a lot of the time they weren't playing their characters. They were playing these other people. So actually, for us, Star Trek worked quite well because we were using the supporting cast rules like crazy, like almost all the time. Um, even on the bridge, if we had a bridge thing, right, well, they had their two characters, like one was the captain and the other one was, I can't remember. Um, but then, you know, someone else had to be the, you know, the con guy and someone else had to be the science officer, and someone else had to do the weapons. And if they went down to a planet, probably only one of the their two characters were going down to the planet. So they were always having other people. So actually, the, Star Trek worked quite, quite well for us in that, like, they've both seen enough Star Trek, but not too much. So, you know, we know how we know what Star Trek's going to look like. And actually, so yeah, Star Trek for us worked pretty well in the sense that we could play we could play a game that was like watching Star Trek. Um, so that was cool. They were able to indulge and play different kinds of characters because they were playing all these different characters. So they didn't they didn't yeah. get the the fact that they and I think all players do this, they all pigeonhole themselves into a certain kind of of character they could do that but because that character wasn't the only one on the stage all the time it 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 didn't really make a difference yeah it, it worked i mean normally what they'll moan I mean, brian particularly would moan that like i always criticize for the fact that he's not role-playing that every character he plays is is brian um and and scott's characters are all over the shop so they you know i will say look come on this is ridiculous but it's not like i'm the greatest gm so i don't really mind which like we're playing and we're having fun and that's the important thing but yeah the star trek one was actually was quite good and it's a shame we didn't get to carry on i think i think i don't know like life got in the way and so we played a few sessions and then something else happened and then we didn't we didn't get back to it i thought it might have been we were playing that just before sort of covid was kicking off and so um we haven't got back to that but yeah the other two people i play with is is my wife my daughter now the funny thing is you think right so my wife's she's in her thir early 30s my daughter's what nine now which is, the whole time she's been role-playing she's been eight years old seven eight nine and you would have thought obviously the 30 year old would be able to play different characters and the the seven eight year old would just want to smash things but yeah you're you're shaking your head <laughs> because all my wife ever wants to do is 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 smash things that's it she might as well play the hulk every session it's it's I think one time ever have I seen her go I'm going to have a character that's going to do something different the classic I remember was doing a superhero game um, where my daughter Annie was playing this, she made up this. She made up her own superhero called Jumping Girl. That was her name. That, that's all she does. Um, that's amazing. I, yeah, it was, that's I a real name. But that was a superhero <laughs> named Jumping Girl, and she, you know, she could jump. 
Uh, and they're like, I know they're fighting some baddies and trying to save the, say, save some civilians. Uh, and my daughter is genuinely trying really hard to save the civilians and just, she's stopping the bad guys, but she's trying to make sure the civilians are saved and get to safety. Cause that's what a superhero would do. No, my wife, all she cared about was trying to kill, like not just, you know, this is, we're not watching the boys. It's like with an eight year old, you don't try and kill the other superheroes. This isn't meant to be fun. No, she's trying to pummel them. I'm smashing them through walls. I'm going to do it. was just carnage. It's like, no, that's, and that's every role playing at the moment. Like I said, we're playing the role playing that we're kind of doing on and off at the moment is we've taken a league of legends thing. And again, my daughter's trying to play a kind of a um, bit more techie person, a bit of steampunky. Um, she's got like cool, she doesn't always want to just kill things. She has a spray can, she sprays in baddies' faces so that they're blinded rather than just like pulling a gun out. You know, she can just shoot everyone if she wants to, but she likes to do other different things. And my wife's playing this like sort of like cat thing, and she's just like, Yeah, I lunge, I kill that person, I kill that person. That's it. It's so funny too how how different kinds of people. When you, when you do get them to game and they invest in it, at least for that session, it's so fascinating what comes out. Sometimes it's kind of disturbing. Um, sometimes it's just amusing. But, it, I, I, you know, I mean, little kids are so um, unashamed, unabashed about how they, they just they just do it. Yeah. And adults, we have to go to work and we have we have coworkers that annoy us. And so we, we want the escapism <laughs> of smashing buildings. I suppose that's it. You know, um, let me ask you this. What is your I mean, the idea of like your least favorite or your most favorite? But the idea of like a least favorite seems like an artificial question. But what is what's a game you've played that you could say, like, I really, really disliked that game and why? Yeah, so I know when I wrote it down, I was thinking that. I was like, I knew I knew really need to think of something like genuinely, absolutely couldn't stand and we wouldn't go back to. Actually, I can remember. I played, um, it's a shame because a really nice guy. For, 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 we had a, a couple of years ago, um, a guy that I was at, that taught at my school, somehow we got into a conversation that he also used to play role-playing games. Uh, and so I invited this guy along to, you know, play with my two mates, which straight away, you kind of, you know, there's, there's three of us that have played role-playing games on and off for 25 years. And you're going to bring someone in that I only barely knew from school. Um, but to be honest, that wasn't the issue. We, we played quite, uh, I think we played, we played some fifth edition. Again, I did the classic. I took a Pathfinder adventure and turned it into fifth edition. And we played through the whole of, I know, something together. But he then said, I want to play Tales of the Floating Vagabond. And he said, I played it when I was a kid. Um, and it's great. Now, I, I think I'd vaguely heard of it, Me too. Um, but I didn't know anything it. about it. Um, and anyway, I found, I think I found the PDFs on, on drive through, uh, and I, I, he gave me the money. I downloaded the PDFs and then gave them to him. Um, and we saw, I think we played about two sessions and that genuinely, I, I absolutely hated it. Um, it just seemed to be, it was kind of one of those sessions that those role playing systems, you could see what they were doing, like, you know, the eighties or nineties, they were just trying to be different. Um, so I think it uses all the dice as your stats, but it just, I, I can't remember, but it had some very, very strange rules for how it worked. And like our characters couldn't do anything because unless you had like the right dice for the right skill, you just, you just failed, just like instant fail. Um, and yeah, I just remember that was actually, that was an awful thing, but he was so into it. We just felt really bad that we can't, we can't tell him how much we're not liking this. Um, and then he moved. So we, <laughs> well, that was convenient. <laughs> He moved across the country, so we never had to, we didn't have to worry about it. Yeah, I remember feeling like oh, we really should tell him how much we don't like this. Maybe we didn't, I just forgot it because I blanked out. But yeah, I remember actually that's the one of the few times 
that I didn't like something. Cause like I said, normally I'm running the thing. So I'm not going to, if I read something, I think, well, this isn't great. I won't run it. That's one of the few times where I'm actually playing something. No, this is, this is bad. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like I, I feel like this is heresy that I'm about to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, I really don't like Call of Cthulhu. Um, I really don't. Um, I love I love Lovecraft. I like reading Lovecraftian stories yeah. and stories from Lovecraft. I actually got into reading Lovecraft after listening to Metallica's "The Thing That Should Not Be" off Master of Puppets, <laughs> and I realized it was they were talking about the mythos, and I was like, all right, I gotta go buy out. So if, if James Hetfield thinks it's cool, I'm gonna think it's cool too because that was in the early '90s when they ruled the world. Um, but I don't like I don't like Call of Cthulhu the game because I can't stand the system. Something about it is just so, it, it seems like there is no, I know the insanity rules, people go gaga over those, but it seems to me that there's there's very little about that system, the skill system especially, that actually does something to evoke that feeling. The other problem I have with any kind, of, now I'm going to put Octone Cthulhu aside because that's punching, punching cultists in the face type yeah. Cthulhu. That's not really Cthulhu. But I don't like the fact that you as a player know that there's some cosmic horror in the basement, but you as a character have to pretend that you don't. And so for me, those games, whether it's Trail of Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu, there's absolutely no tension. And it and all the yeah. investigation and tromping around and being a babe in the woods, to me, just is very tedious and, and just so boring. Uh, I just... And then the problem is when I get really bored as a player, I turn into a bad human being because then I start to like, I start to twitch and I start to do bad things because I'm just so darn bored. It's like, you know, like teachers turning into bad students at faculty meetings that have gone on for too long. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I've never played Call of Cthulhu, but I think I've, I've played things which are similar horror type things and I've had the same kind of thing that actually... I've had, I've got this one exception to that, but the, the players, they just, they're not, they're not scared yeah. and they know that something's bad and they know the game you're playing in. And so because of that, you just, it doesn't, it doesn't, it just doesn't work properly. You know what though? The, the interesting thing for me though, is that more conventional horror games, I I've been able to, I've had a good time with that. I remember years ago, I ran a world of darkness game where we just used the core world of darkness rules and the players were like a Vatican hit team that would go after <laughs> bad things happening at churches and stuff like that. And I remember there was a moment, I, did, did you, ever, you ever heard of that awful, like B-grade schlock uh, uh, horror movie called Phantasm? Yes. Okay, of course. And had the, the tall man and the little sphere that drilled into people's heads and all that stuff. I, I, I had him in it, but, it, but anyway, I, I ripped it off. There was all kinds of things that I changed about it. But there was a moment in that where my players actually stopped me and were like, whoa, wait, did you just, did I just hear that right? And they were actually creeped out at the table. But the I, I think for me, conventional horror, you can maybe get away with that because at least there's something like, I'm going to go in there and do something about yeah. it. But the the anyway, the cosmic horror that if you look at, you know, you look into the darkness and you turn into a what? You turn into a gibbering mass. There's always a gibbering mass in the dark <laughs> somewhere. And for me, I just, like, I like to read that, but I don't want to play it. Yeah, I think the, the one game anything like that I had success playing was the uh, was the alien role playing game. But again, it's similar to Star Trek. This is another thing where we ended up playing with lots of playing with lots of characters. So the game was set up with this sort of there's a there's a crew 
and we chose two of that crew to start with but then there was a secondary crew um and i think there was only one i know Pro is that chariot of the gods uh it was the intro one that came with it and you know the the whole initial crew they all died and so then they had to start playing as the other crew and they basically all died um and so it was one of those things it was a really good fun cinematic experience it was difficult like you've said about the issues with the actual maybe the system but for what we actually used it for playing that adventure like like a film thing where we played over i know like two weeks um and i don't think anyone survived i'm pretty sure at the end like the the whole lot of them were killed but because it was i like the idea they designed it to be this they you know said there's a cinematic mode and there's a campaign mode um and they said in the cinematic mode it was kind of like it didn't matter that you know, I didn't, we didn't, I very rarely have had TPKs, but that for that game, we had like five TPK. We wiped yep. out their players multiple times and two entire crews, but we had a lot of fun doing it because right. it, it was, that was the way it was set up to do. We bought into that thing. And the fact they had to keep changing characters, it was fine because I could give them the character readout. It says this is how the character's meant to be played. Um, and each character had like a secret thing they were trying to do um which was uh you know it, it was cool it was really good fun. yeah alien alien definitely puts its thumb on the scale to push the game in a, in a in a very clear direction and if you want that you'll have a good time if you don't want that you will yeah. push against you'll yeah. butt up against the system again and again and again let me think is there anything else any other loves favorites hates likes dislikes things worth mentioning so that as people listen to this podcast they'll be like oh that's why he's saying that or that's why he's <laughs> I can hear him twitching over that or something. Yeah, I think like I've already said, I, I, what I really want is the perfect game. I want the game that can run every single system, but is somehow different slightly for every single. I mean, two D twenty is the closest I've got because me too. There isn't one version; each one is a little bit different. Games that say they are generally generic, like like Savage World, um, the, I quite like the base, but then I've tried to use it for superheroes and it breaks, and I've tried to use it for really high level sci-fi with giant battleships and mechs and it broke and i used it for rifts which ironically you've taken a broken system and then you put it into another system and, and i felt it you know the characters i played with okay they pushed it but we just picked characters from the book we didn't make up our own we picked characters you could genuinely make out of the book um and and it just didn't work great so like 2d20 does come close for that because it lets me do lots of different cool things it lets me have fun while i'm playing it um, and I think that that's what I want. I want a system which is fun. And for me, fun is sort of mechanics plus cool setting plus, you know, interesting, interesting narrative stuff. I think you hit it, though, with 2 die 20 is that Modifius doesn't even pretend that there's one version of it. Yeah. There's one core, but everything, every, every iteration of it has been mechanically tweaked to, to some or an, a large extent to fit that property that it's associated with. So that's different. That's not like D20 20 years ago where there was D20 everything and it didn't really fit anything except for fantasy. Yeah, that's that's my thing right now. My for 2 die 20 for a while has been my favorite and and the big my my challenge and my heartbreak has been trying to get people in my circle or my extended circle to want to play it uh, because the vast majority of people that I play with are like really wedded to 5e luckily my two main players that's what we're playing at the moment we're playing fallout and literally the options i gain of going right we can play we can play june or we can play fallout or we could play star trek klingons which i then took off the table when i realized there's no adventures for it and i had to buy the book um or wait which so one the the klingon thing because obviously there's the klingon core book yeah. but there isn't 
you know, I, I, I don't have the time anymore to do pre-written events. That's what one of the kind of other things I'm, I'm stuck in this weird thing of, I kind of don't have the time to read like a Pathfinder style massive. It's totally the whole campaign um, adventure path. That's too much. Um, that's why I quite like, so I had, a, we, you know, we played through a lot of infinity sessions because the adventures were relatively short. There wasn't a huge amount to read. I could mostly read them on the fly. You know, I could glimpse it and I could mostly run those on the fly relatively well because they were scene by scene. Um, but there were pre-written adventures for a core system with a core setting. And I, you know, we had great characters and, and I had a lot of success with that. And that's kind of the moment I'm playing fallout with nothing. I'm just totally sandboxing it. I literally, I have, I have a map of, as it turns out, basically California and they are walking across. They're now in Oakland. No, they're not. They're currently at Berkeley and they're going to go through Oakland. And I don't know, they're going to pretty finish today because things will change next week. Um, and that's what I'm doing now. I, I literally have, I have the rule book and I have a map and they don't know where they, well, they know where they are now because they found signposts, but we went through three settings at three weeks of them not having a clue. But again, it's the, it's a, it's a nice setting. Um, it's a, it's a, I like the rule system. Uh, and you know, it, it, it's working. There's still, it, it's not perfect, but I don't think I'll ever find my perfect. It won't. It's not out there. It doesn't exist. Exactly. <laughs> so. Well, and it doesn't exist also because your affinities and the affinities of your group, even if your group has the same people and is going to change, those are going to yeah. change over time and uh, the mood you're in and, and, and whatnot, it, nothing's going to stay fixed. I mean, we're, this is a human endeavor. It's a relational endeavor. And so it's, it's, those variables are always going to be in flux. Yeah. That's why I'm really glad about June. Cause I think like there's a new June film coming out later the year. And when we go and watch that after that, we'll all be like, we really yep. want to play June now. Like, yep. Great. I've got a June game. Here we go. Yeah, that's handy. Um, yeah, I think the Star Trek, I, I think we, there was a point we held off playing Star Trek because we wanted for Picard to came out and then Picard did come out. And I'm pretty sure just after Picard came out, that was around the same time that COVID happened. And so we're like, we want to play Star Trek. Oh, lockdown. Um, and we did eventually, we did a lot of role playing in lockdown, but it took us a while to work out a good way of doing it. Um, and yeah, so actually we just played a load of different things. We actually went through a sort of almost a, 10 week period where i just played quick starts for different games every week we just that's played a cool, different though. system um just to see what we liked so that actually was... that that's neat because there are so many free rules introductions and setting introductions that you could do through that that's clever actually you could just that's, that's literally what we did every week sometimes it would take two weeks but you know here, here's your pre-gen characters and here's how the rules work and we'll and we'll just try it and we did that for we did that for a whole bunch of weeks yeah i'm um, i'm in this place right now where i I would much rather read a, a published adventure and then tweak it or riff off of it rather than try to come up with something more than a session or two or, or three in length on my own. Um, I just, I, I, I feel like I don't have the mental bandwidth to, to map out something because again, there's that, I think there's that expectation, at least in my group that it, it whatever we're going to do, we're going to do for a while. Like there's this, this aversion to, switching to something new like oh crap we're going to start over with new characters there's that 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 sense that that's not a good thing and so i always had to be planning although right now i'm a player which is which is a nice breath of fresh air because it's been a long time since i've i've been able to do that but i am eager now because it's been about two months i am eager now to get back in the big chair and and, and make things happen so we'll see out of these uh out of out of what i like what i'm able to to get people on board with I hate, I, I, I have finally realized that I really hate playing. 
because like it's the, 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 another group of friends have got that I met them through playing miniatures games and they they were kind of really keen on fifth edition and one of them was running it and I saw okay I'll I'll join in I'll play a session and it was nothing they were doing that was wrong it was just literally the fact that sort of you know half an hour into it, I'm like I hate this because I'm having to some you know one guy's talk but then what do you want to do and one person says what they want to do and one person says what they want to do and then I get to say my bit and then I have to wait and it's oh there's a lot I think I'm not involved here. I'm I'm waiting all the time. I want to be in. I want to be in charge. I want to be the talk. I want to be talking, and I want to be doing stuff. I just, it, you know, it's I it's know. a weird thing because I I would I actually much prefer running a game, um, although I think that this this break is good because I'm stepping back and thinking like, how can I retool what mm-hmm. I do and how can I approach this maybe a little bit differently? Um, I was with for a while a group that I I really got burned out with. And I moved back with this the group of the people that I've been playing with for most of the last twenty years. I'm now back with, and um, and it's uh, it, it's it's nice. But yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll get I'll, I will find my way back into the big chair, and um, and then I'll hold on to it. I've had points where I thought I wanted out of the chair, but having played a bit recently, I've realized no, I like the chair. I I think yeah, I agree. I I think that's a there's there's a lot of satisfaction out of that. Um. Well, cool, man. This is this has been good. I feel this is really weird because I I, I feel like I've, I've gotten to know you better here. But the weird thing is, there's nothing that you've said that I'm like, oh, that sounds odd. Because honestly, it's, it's so much of it sounds like my experience too, and like my interests and affinity. So that's uh, that's that's neat. We timed that well as well because uh, the other two are back now. So I still find it funny that clearly World of Darkness players are the same all the way around. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It's like the one game that really intense hardcore people bought into, like it was real. Well, you know what it was? It was I rem- it, it, it was it was a convergence of of things in the '90s that it was like you had to listen to Nine Inch Nails um, or or stuff like um, Ministry, Nitzereb, like all that really techno industrial stuff. And you had a flannel shirt tied around your waist and baggy torn up jeans and Doc Martens. And lo- like you looked like Chris Cornell from Soundgarden. <laughs> hey, folks, thanks for listening. I hope that you got a good slice of where Chris and I are coming from in terms of games and our gaming background and our interests. And I hope you're interested in listening to upcoming episodes wherein we're going to talk about the 2 die 20 system, its core rules the metacurrencies of momentum, threat, fortune, determination, all those different kinds of things, as well as other systems, other settings, and other games. Thanks so much.